Amen. Praise God. God is so good, church. God is so good. Amen. Even if your situation doesn't seem like it, he's still good. He's still on the throne. Amen. Oh, glory to God. Praise God. Well, I'm excited about the word of God this morning, church, and uh, just excited to share with you what God put in my heart, has been putting in my heart to share. And this morning, the title of the message is Prisoners of Jesus Christ. Prisoners of Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, I know it's not one of those things that sounds like, well, prison, prisoners, that's not what, what uh, you hear. But you know what? It's biblical. And you know what else? It's good. Because the God that I serve is a good God, like I said earlier, and he does good. And so even though you may be in a prison, a spiritual prison this morning, I'm here to tell you, number one, God's going to get you through it. He's going to get you out. You know, God confirmed that even this morning when we the first, uh, first song that we sang was, you know, once I got burned in prison, I dwelled. And I said, praise God, hallelujah. He confirmed that to me. But I'm going to tell you something. He's going to get you out. He's going to get you through. But there's even greater work that God's going to do through that prison. I'm going to tell you, God wants to do something in you and through you. It's always so much bigger. So many lives depend on what we do. If you want to turn to John chapter 3. And I'm just going to hop around here just to, just to set us up. John chapter 3, and we're going to read two verses, and then I'm going to jump to Ephesians chapter 4. And if you're at John chapter 3, say amen. amen. I hear some pages turning. Amen. Praise God. John chapter 3 verse 24 says this. For John was not yet cast into prison. For John was not yet cast into prison. And then it says in, in John 3.30, verse 30, John said, he, talking about Jesus, he must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Paul writes this, and I'm reading out of the New King James. He says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. I beseech you, he's saying, I, as the prisoner of the Lord, I'm telling the church in Ephesians, but he's telling us, the Holy Spirit's telling you, walk worthy of the calling that you were called with. And right after that, he says, with all long suffering, with patience. God's talking to some of you people this morning. He's talking to me this morning. He's talking to us this morning. You and I are prisoners of Jesus Christ. Now, when, you know, we sang that song, and a lot of times when we think about prison, we think about well, when you were born into this world, you were born into the flesh, you were born with a sinful nature, and you're born in, 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 in a sense, you're born in a spiritual prison because you're bound by sin. 
And you can't free yourself. And in Isaiah chapter 61, the Bible says that the Lord has anointed me, talking about Jesus, to preach liberty to the cap, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to set those that are bound in prison, to set them free, right? So the Lord Jesus came down from heaven, anointed by, by the Father, anointed by God with the Spirit of the Lord, to preach liberty, to proclaim liberty, and to set people free from their sins. Because when you're bound in sin, you're bound for hell. But here's the thing. This morning, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking to the people of God this morning. Okay? If you're bound in sin, if you came to this house and you're chained and you're enslaved in sin, I'm going to tell you something. God's been just hitting hard on, on, through this church. He's been hitting hard in my life. All the stuff that is going on in the world. All the floods, all the fires, all the wars and rumors of wars and fight, all the stuff. Just this morning, I got something in the, new, in, in the news that said that there's a, an attack on Damascus. If you don't know this, Damascus in Syria is one of the oldest cities in the world. It's 4,000 years old. And yet, in Isaiah chapter 17, it was prophesied that, I, that Damascus would be destroyed. You tell somebody that. The, the one city, a city that is for over 4,000 years old, that it's going to be destroyed. And not only that it's going to be destroyed, but it was prophesied 4,000 years ago. And we're seeing those things unfold. The Bible is true. The Bible is true. And what I was getting at was as we see these things, as you see these things unfold... We as believers know to look up. But if you're a non-believer and you're bound in sin or, in or enslaved by, by sin, don't leave this place the same way when you walked in, the same way how you walked in. you got to get right with God and you get right here at this altar. And he will, you, you can establish a connection with him. He will set you free. Tomorrow's not promised. Tomorrow is not. We're seeing people drop dead left and right. Tomorrow's not promised, no matter how young you are. No matter how young you are. But today, I'm not talking about that. Today, I'm not talking about being on the cross like Barnabas, or not, not being on the cross, being set free like Barnabas was set free. Okay? I'm talking about being in prison like Paul was in prison. Being in prison... When you're serving God and, and, and you found your, find yourself like Joseph in prison. When you find yourself like Daniel and you're serving God and you're in the lion's den in prison. I'm talking to that believer that has found themselves in that place where they say, God, I'm stuck in this place and I can't get out. Not sin. I'm not talking about sin today. I'm talking to you today that feel like you are in a place where you're stuck, where you're in a rut. And there are things and situations going on and you can't get yourself out. Number one, you're figuring out or you're trying to find a way out to, to, to get out and you're serving God. You're, you're, you're serving Christ and you can't find that way out. And then you come to that place. There's some of you that are in that place. You're like, God, I'm in this situation. I'm in this, I'm in this issue. I have issues with whatever it may be and I'll get to that later. And you're like, God, I, I, I want to get out. Help me. 
And then there's other people that know that they're in their situation, and they're saying, God, I know I'm in this situation, and I know it's your will. These people just haven't figured out that it's in the will of God. These people understand I'm in the will of God, and I'm in this situation, and God has allowed me to go through this situation. God's talking to somebody today. And you know that when you figure out, okay, God, this is your will, that if you find a way or there's a plan B that you can get out, you know it's sin because you're getting out of the will of God. You know it. Trust me, I know. I'm not talking about something I don't know this morning. It says in John 3, 24, for John was not yet cast into prison. Listen, if you follow Christ and you serve God, you will be cast into prisons. You will go through prisons. I don't hear a lot of, a lot of amens. <laughs> and that's okay. But you know what? God is a good God and he's a good father. You will be thrown into prison. In fact, if you're not going through things, if you have not gone through things in the will of God, if you're serving God and you, you think you're serving God and you haven't gone through things in your life and you've been serving him for some time, some period, you know what, I would almost, I would almost question whether you're serving God or not. Because serving God means going through hardship. That's why the word of God says, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hardness will come. Persecutions will come. Afflictions and troubles will come. John said, he must increase, but I must decrease. The prison experience is the place where you decrease. But Christ increases. The prison experience isn't something for the light heart. It's serving God is not for the weak. It's not for the feeble. It's not for the, 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 those at ease. Serving God, it's a battle. You're in a warfare. And you're getting shot at. And the enemy's trying to take you out. And you know what? You're going to go through things. You're going to suffer things. You're going to deal with things. But I'm going to tell you, God's going to bring you through. Amen. And you're going to find as you go through these things, it's not a place for you to say, look at me, I did it. Look at me, I overcame. Look at me. No, it's going to be the place where you say, oh, I humble myself before you. But God brought me up. The word of God says that if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God in due time, he will exalt you. He will exalt you. You know the word of God, you know what? I want to pray. I'm just setting you up. I'm just giving you, just to set it up. But let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you, Lord. Oh, I'm just so grateful to you, God. You're a good God and a mighty God, and there's nothing impossible with you, God. Father, I know, Lord God, I know, Lord, the things that you have shared with me in the secret place, Lord God. And I'm asking you, Father, for that anointing to flow, Lord God. I'm asking for you to flow, Lord. I'm asking for your word to flow, Lord God. I'm asking for you, Lord God, to reward 
Lord, openly what's been done in secret, Lord God, for you to minister to your people today, Lord God, for you to speak to your people today, Lord God, for you to encourage your people today, Lord God. I pray for the fire of the Holy Ghost to fall upon your people today, Lord God. I pray for the, for the reconnection, Lord, for the building of the altar, Lord God. I pray that there would be praise that comes forth from your people today, that they would worship you in spirit and in truth, not just because you're getting them out of the prison, but because they have a connection with you, Lord God. And I'm praying for you to produce fruitfulness in the lives of, lives of your people this morning, Lord God. Do something, Lord God, today. Do what I cannot do. It's not by my power. It's not by my might. But it's by your spirit, oh Lord. Speak to your people today, Lord God. Bring thoughts, Lord, to their minds, Lord God, by your Holy Ghost. Do what I can't do, Lord. Only what you can do, Lord. I invite you. I ask you, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You know, the word of God says that when Job was going through his situation, when he was going through all the things that he went through, for some of you that haven't read or heard about Job, read the book of Job, Job was a man that served God. He feared God and he hated evil. He served God. He was a man perfect before God, the word of God says. And the Bible says that he went through different sufferings. And I'm just paraphrasing. He lost his house. He lost his farmland. He lost all his cattle. He lost his children. And he got to this point where he had boils on his body and he was suffering. And his wife told him, why don't you just curse God and die? A man of God. He was a man of God. And he went through one of the most difficult times, I think, in, the, in human history, other than what Jesus Christ went through. And the Word of God says that it describes that time in, Jake, in Job's life as captivity. He was in captivity. So when I said earlier that you were a prisoner of Jesus Christ, you can be a man of God. And yes, you can still go through times of capti captivity and go through times of prison. But it says at the end of the book of Job, in Job 42.10, it says, And the Lord turned the captivity of Job. The Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. And then not only does it say that, but it says, it says, And the Lord also gave Job twice as much as he had before. So what can we glean from that? Number one. Your captivity, your prison situation, what you're, going, what you're going through, it's not about you. It's greater than you. It's about other people, your friends, and those that are around you, okay? Get that through this. Whatever you're going through your mind, whatever you're going through, it's not all about you and for you. It's greater than you. And God wants to use that. He's going to use that. In fact, that's how God is glorified. It's so awesome and so great that we can say, yes, God set me free. But it's so awesome and even greater. God set me free and he used, other, he used me to set others free. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than me. What I'm suffering is bigger than me. And number two, you see, he already had a lot. He was already rich. He was already blessed. He already had so many things. But the Lord gave him double. The Lord gave him so much more. And number two, what God wants to tell you today in your situation is that God is ready to give you more than what you had. He's ready to bless you with more than what you had. 
It may not feel like that, but that's the God that we serve. He will bring you through captivity. He'll give you more. You think this is the place, this is the best place. No. No. There's so much more in God. There's so much more in God. Listen. Oh, praise God. Help me, Lord Jesus. A captivity or prison situation doesn't, oh, I already said all that stuff. Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, it's, it's, a hard, it's, it's hard, okay? Amen. God is good. God is ready to give you more. When you decrease, here's why. When you decrease, Christ increases in your life. And when Christ increases in your life, when you have Jesus, you will always have more. Okay? Some people may look and say, well, I must decrease. Oh, man, I don't want to decrease, you know. Hey, hey, compare yourself to who is increasing. When you decrease, Christ increases. And when Christ increases, he's the one that said, I came to give life and life abundant. Life abundant. So when you decrease and he increases, there's an abundance in Christ that you gained that you didn't have before. Now, some of you are saying, Kevin, I hear what you're saying. I don't feel like that. I don't feel that way. I, in fact, I feel further away from God. Some of you, you know, you're going through things. And it's the enemy that has come like that bird to steal away the seed that was planted in you. That's what the word of God says, that the enemy comes to steal away. Right? Some of you may be going through things and the sun is scorching. Or there are uh, thorns that are trying to choke out the potential of your fruitfulness in God. Okay? And God is wanting to do something in you. God is wanting to do something in you, but you're in this place where you're like, I don't feel like that, Kevin. I don't feel like that. In fact, I almost feel worse than what it, where I was before. I was closer to God. I was further in the things of God. In fact, now I'm being tested and I'm further away from God. And you find yourself like John the Baptist did. Because when he got to prison, when he went in prison and he was decreasing, he got to this point where he sent, he sent his messengers, he sent his followers to Jesus. And he sent them to ask Jesus, are you the one or do we look for another? Even John the Baptist got to that point. Okay? If John the Baptist, the one that Jesus described who, who was the greatest prophet, if John the Baptist got to that point, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to get to that point at some time. I, I, I'm not here to sugarcoat. I'm not here to look religious. I'm here to be real. I'm here to be real. Because you're going to go through things where you're going to wonder, God, is this it? Is this it? Is this, is this, this is what serving you has gotten me? I'm being real. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Some of you don't. But you're going to get to that place where John the Baptist was, and you're like, God, this is what I've been serving you, and this is what I get. 
Some of you know what I'm talking about. And God's talking to you. God's talking to you. Because just, just like John the Baptist, man, he lived his whole life waiting for the arrival of Jesus. He waited his whole life. He was the one that told them, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And just a few months later, I don't know how much later, but a few months later probably, he's in prison saying, wait, is he the one? He was in that prison. Some of you are in that prison. You're saying, wait, is he the one? I'm going to tell you something. Hold on. Hold on, hold on. This is the time when the enemy shooting darts at you, those fiery darts. This is the time where you have your shield of faith and you just hunker down in prayer. You hunker down in faith. You hold on to the shield of faith. Listen, your armor, your spiritual warfare isn't meant to be shiny and clean sitting up on the wall. Your, your armor is meant to go out of the battlefield. You're going to get some dents. You're going to get some digs. You're going to go through some things. It's going to get scuffed up. It's going to get bloody. It's going to get dinged up. But that's what the armor of God is for. And when the enemy's coming in like a flood, you raise up that shield, the Spirit of the Lord will fight for you. Endure harness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Oh God. And then it says in the word, it says, oh, help me, Lord. It says that when you're engaged in warfare, do not entangle yourself in the things of this world. You cannot get entangled in this world because you're in warfare. You're in a battle. You do not entangle yourself in the things of this world. There's so much that the enemy's trying to throw at you. Don't entangle yourself that you may please him who enlisted you to be a soldier. Jesus, help me, Lord. You know, we say things like, God, I'm ready to do whatever you want. Lord, I'll send you where you want me to go, or I'll go where you send me, Lord. I love you, Lord. I know you're good. You know, we pray all kinds of things, but we don't really understand. We don't fully understand. But you know what? God knows. God knows you love him. God knows you serve. You want to serve him. God knows. And it isn't by an accident. It isn't a coincidence. It, 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 it isn't just something that God says, oh, yeah, yeah, they're going to go through some. No, God knows. In fact, by him allowing you to go through those situations and those prisons and those things where your faith is tested, he is actually answering your prayer. Because it's in those things, in those difficult things and in those hard things where Jesus reveals, to, to, reveals himself to you in an even greater way than you understood him before. And that's the place, like, you're, like John the Baptist, where you feel like you feel like you're dying. But that's a good place. That's a good place, I'm here to tell you. Because Jesus is saying, I got you right in the palm of my hand. 
I got you right in the palm of my hand, and no one can snatch you out of my hand. No one can snatch you out of my hand. And he's doing things in you. In the palm of his hand, what he's doing by allowing you to feel these things, to go through these things, to experience all these things, what he's actually doing in you is he's preparing you, okay? He's preparing you. He's preparing a place of connection with him that you didn't have before, okay? He's doing something in you so that he could get the praise from your life, and he's preparing you for fruitfulness to come from your life. I just gave away my message. I'm just telling you right now. But we're going we're gonna to go through it because this is, this is important. You must go through death to get to resurrection, You must go through sickness to get to healing. You must go through leanness to truly get to abundance. You must go through decrease so that you can see Christ increase. And you must be a slave to Christ to know what true freedom in Christ is. Yes, there is freedom in Christ when you're set free from your sins. But I'm going to tell you something. When you're a slave to Christ, when you're a servant to Christ, oh, that is a place of freedom. Oh, that's a place of freedom. We're going to get there. God, help me. I got a lot to say. I got a lot to say, but God's going to talk to some. God's talked to each one of you this morning. Well, you don't realize in those difficult situations, those prison situations, the situations that drive you up the wall is actually meant to drive your faith up and over that wall. That's the place for you to be at. You see, what you know, I was talking to Cameron when he told me something. He heard a preacher say something. He said, what you don't think is good to you is actually good for you. Something, an experience, a situation that you don't think is good to you is actually good for you. God uses that kind of stuff all the time. All the time. Genesis, you don't have to turn there. If you're in a situation, if you're stuck in a situation, number one, you are in a prison of preparation. You're in a prison of preparation because God is ready to promote you. God is ready to put you in a greater position, not just in a greater position from a a financial standpoint, a job standpoint, a a materialistic standpoint. No, 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 that that, that stuff, I'm not talking about that. God is ready to promote you and put you in a greater position in his kingdom. The Father operates in the kingdom. Everything else is subsequent to the kingdom of God. And he's putting you in that prison. Why? Because he's ready to promote you. He's preparing to promote you. I read through Genesis 37 through 41 talking about Joseph. He's the first one that brought, God brought to my mind. Think about Joseph. Joseph was betrayed by his brothers. Joseph was a dreamer. He had a dream that his family one day would bow down before him. And his brothers hated him. He was favored by his father, Jacob. And his father, Jacob, gave him a coat of many colors. And he wore this coat. And he was like, yeah, my dad loves me. But there came a point in time where his brothers were like, you see that dreamer? You see that brother? It's time to get rid of him. So what do they do? They were going to kill him. But one of his brothers said, no, don't kill him. That's not going to do any good. What they did was they threw him in a pit. And they sold him. And they betrayed him. And they put him into slavery. Okay? They put him into slavery. And when he was in slavery, he ended up in this guy Potiphar's house. And Potiphar saw 
that there was something different about Joseph. You see, God had put on Joseph mercy and favor. And whatever he put his hand to, God favored him and blessed him, even when he was in slavery. But then there came a point in time where Potiphar left. He entrusted Joseph with everything. He said, I got to go do business. And when Joseph was serving, he was doing what he was supposed to do, Potiphar's wife came to him and said, hey, lie with me, Joseph. Lie with me. And she tempted him. The Bible says daily she would come to him, tempting him, tempting him. Lie with me. Sleep with me. You see, some of you, there are some things that God put in my heart. I don't know. I can't just, I, I can't just, you know, just brush them off. Some of you are waiting for that moment where you're like, man, we're no, when no one's looking, I'm just going to do this thing. Don't do that. Don't do that. Oh, God. Some of you, if the opportunity presented itself just to take a hit, just to take a drink, you'll do it. Because there's no integrity there. But see, Joseph was a man of integrity. And when he was being tempted... He didn't give in to that temptation. Some of you would give in to that temptation. But I'm here to tell you something. Oh, God. I'm here to tell you something. Exodus 32 says, be sure your sin will find you out. Be sure your sin will find you out. You may think that if you're doing things in secret that you're hiding it. But I'm going to tell you, oh, God, I read this commentary. I read this pastor, Exodus 32, and he was talking about that verse that says your sin will find you out. The, the word talks about sin and how it will find you out. And this commentator, this pastor said, sin has power. Sin has power. You know how I know it has power? Because there are people enslaved to it. And not only does it have power to, over, to, to overtake people, but in its power, it has itself, it has in itself to be discovered. It has in itself to be discovered. Your sin cannot be hidden because it will come out eventually. And it will impact you and it will impact the people around you. Just as much as I'm talking about God impacting you through you, around you. Sin will also impact the people that you love the most. And you need to be careful. You can't play with sin. You cannot play with fire. You can't contain fire. You can't do that. Be sure your sin will find you out. Don't play with sin. You see, Joseph had integrity. Some of you, some of you, God cannot promote because you don't have that integrity. You're waiting for a promotion from God. But if he were to put you in that place of promotion, because the lack of integrity, if you were to fail, the consequences would be disastrous to the people around you because you're in a promotion, a place of promotion. It would, be, it would be disastrous to your testimony. So God has kept you in that prison because you don't have that integrity. And you can meet with God here. And, and, and he already knows that. And be open with him. God help me. God is preparing you and he's building you up. And he's dealing with the secret things in your heart. 
And he's dealing with that lack of integrity. God is preparing you and building you and testing you. Because I, I, I preached this a couple weeks ago. Can Jesus entrust himself to you? He knew what was in the heart of men. And he did not entrust himself to man because he knew what was in man. I'm going to tell you something. That may be you. You may be feeling convicted and you're saying, God, that's me. You know what? The reason God is so good because he doesn't want to leave you in that place. That's why I'm preaching this message. That's why God is exposing that to you and revealing that to you. Because he's ready to deal with you. He's ready to deal with that in you. Because he wants to prepare you to promote you. When, Joe, when Potiphar, Potiphar came back. Oh, let me say one other thing. Because when you are in a position of power and authority. When you are in a position of promotion, especially from God. Okay, there are going to be things that cross your path, and there are going to be things that are brought from your past before you. And when you're in a position of power and authority, it's much easier for you to retaliate. It's much easier for you to take vengeance. It's much easier for you to go back to those old things that, hey, I remember when they destroyed I remember when they backstabbed me. Now I'm in a place of authority, and now I'm going to take them down because of what they did. And God cannot promote you until he deals with that in you. Now, going back to Potiphar, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit gave me a bunch of stuff. I'm telling you. It's not me. It's him. He's talking to somebody. He's talking to you. Now, when Potiphar came back, the wife told him, hey, this is, he actually tried to sleep with me. The slave that you brought, he actually tried to lie with me. So she betrayed, she lied. And Potiphar was upset and got him thrown into prison. Okay? He got him thrown into prison. Prison. And it, one thing that jumped out, Joseph never defended himself. Jo Joseph never said, she's lying, that's not true. We're good, we're safe in here. We're right where God wants us to be. We're right where God wants us to be. The world is freaking out, but I'm telling you, you serving God, you're right where he wants you to be. Even in, even in the midst of a prison. Glory to God. You see, he never defended himself. You know why he didn't defend himself? Because he knew, yeah, I'm serving Potiphar, but I'm not a servant of Potiphar. I'm a servant of God. I'm a prisoner of God. I'm a slave to God. And when we say things, God, I'll go wherever you want to go, we don't ever think about the prison. But here Joseph is, and he's about to get thrown in prison, and he never said, stop, stop, stop. No. Because he was a slave to the will of God. And wherever God, wherever God led him to go, he was going to go. And that's throughout the word of God. That's throughout the word of God. He never, he never defended himself. He never did. He never tried to, tried to defend himself or come against what was being thrown against him. Oh, God, help me. Where am I at? Even in that prison, okay? Jo Joseph is in that prison, 
And even in the midst of that prison, God still gives him favor and mercy. You know, I'm so grateful to God. Yes, you can be in the midst of prisons, but God is so good. There are just things that he does. He shows up, and maybe the littlest things, and you're like, God, thank you. His mercies are still new every morning. His mercies are still new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. You may feel like you're in that rut, but I'm going to tell you something. Even the fact that you show up through this church and through these doors is a grace of God. To feed you, to water you, to minister to you. Oh, God, help me. Oh, man. God's mercy was on Joseph. God, God, he was entrusted by the keeper of that prison. The keeper didn't even look to anything that God, that was under his hand. And he was entrusted in that prison, okay? That, 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 that prison keeper said, here, Joseph, do whatever you got to do. I don't doubt, honestly, that he had given him some keys. Maybe not the final key to get out, but I don't doubt he had given him some keys. Hey, you look after these prisoners. You do what you're supposed to do. And he left them. The prison keeper left Joseph. Never looked over at what Joseph did. That's amazing. Think about that. Can you think about a, a guard going to a prisoner and saying, here you go, do whatever you got to do. I'll check on you next week. But that's what happened. There was so much favor and so much of God in Joseph, okay, that even the prison keeper could trust Joseph in prison. And what God is saying, if you can't be trusted in prison, how can I trust you when you're in freedom? If God wants to, tr if, if God can trust you in prison, he will trust you in freedom. But if you can't be trusted in prison, you can't be trusted when you're free. You know, Joseph suffered in that prison. It was a land of affliction and toil. He suffered a lot of things, but I'm telling you, I know he met God in that prison. Oh, I know he met God. And God talked to him, and God showed him things. That's why there was this confidence in him. You know, something I never, I never, uh, I know I've read, but even Pharaoh, when he stood before Pharaoh, even Pharaoh said about Joseph, he said, this man who is like this man? This man has the spirit of God in him. That was Pharaoh. You know, in the midst of your prison, God will meet you. God will do things in you to where when you get in that place where you're ready to be promoted, even the people will look at you and say, hey, there's something different about Kevin. There's something different about Mike. There's, there's something different. They may not be able to point their finger on it, but it's the spirit of God. You know, God is allowing you to go through these prisons. He's allowing you to go through the, through the heat, through the fire. Why? To test you, to prove you, to show yourself faithful over a few things. Because when you're faithful over a few things, he'll give you and he'll make you ruler over many things. He'll do that in your life. It's actually the opposite of how this world works. The world says if you can't be trusted, you'll get thrown into prison. If you can't be trusted in your freedom, you'll get be thrown in. God, will say, God says, I will trust you in prison so that I can have you do more in your freedom. 
You must go through that prison so that you understand and know what true freedom in Christ is. And guess what? That time came where Joseph was promoted, and he was promoted to be second in command. God took that dreamer. He took that little boy. He brought him through the prisons. God forged him through the fires of those prisons to where now he was the one that was second in command before, before Pharaoh. He ruled over the land of Egypt. The Bible says that they bowed before Joseph. And Joseph, when he was in power, did not go back to Potiphar and say, hey, guess what? Remember when you threw me in prison wrongfully? Now it's your turn. Why? Because he was a man of integrity. Because he was a man that knew God would defend him. He was a man that knew what, what the word of God says, that God says, vengeance is mine. When you take things into your own hands and you try to get back at people, you're actually taking something that belongs to God. He said, vengeance is mine. And not only that, but that, that, was, that was just, you know, that was just the appetizer for him. Because then there came that point where his brothers that betrayed him and sold him to slavery were brought before him. And he's in the position of power. Not only is he in a position of power, but he's in a position to be able to help them because he was in charge of Egypt and they came hungry. And they were begging for, for grain, for food. And now they stand before him and they didn't recognize him, but he knew who they were. And in a position of power, he didn't take that vengeance. He didn't, he didn't do any harm to them. I'm going to tell you something. Some of you have been betrayed. Some of you have been backstabbed. Oh, God. Some of you have been dealt things in your life hard, difficult things. Things that because they were done to you, you were in a time in slavery because those things were done to you. You didn't choose, but because they were done to you, you were thrown into a slavery because of them. And God is doing something in you, and he's working on you because he's going to promote you to where that person, those people are going to walk right by you. And when you have the opportunity to curse them, you're not going to curse them. When you have an opportunity to avenge yourself, to fight against and retaliate, you're not going to do that. You will be a healer. You will be a restorer. You will be a peacemaker because God wants to do something through you greater, greater than retaliation and vengeance. He wants to save those people through you. And I love, I love, I love this verse because there came that point where his brothers were standing before him and, and he told them, he says, what you thought for evil, what you meant for harm, what you did to destroy my life, God meant for good. God meant for good. You know what? I'm going to tell you something about God. The God that we serve, one of the things that blows my mind, there's a lot, but one of the things that just stands out is how can somebody, how can a God take things that were meant to destroy us, meant to harm us, and he can actually turn them around for good? That's my God. That's our God. 
He can take those things and turn them around for good. And let guess what? Listen, it doesn't stop right there. Because the, the very next portion, the next sentence that he says is so crucial. Everybody stops, says, well, well God, well, you meant for harm, God meant for good. But then he said, and for the saving of many lives. For the saving of many. Did you get that? So the things that you have gone through that the devil tried to use to destroy you. God turned around for good, and not only did he turn it around for good, but God is going to use that in you and through you to save many people. It's bigger. It's greater than us. Praise, that's the God that we serve. Who can do that? Who can do that? Nothing is impossible with God. The prison that you're in isn't meant to destroy you, and the things that you've gone through it's not an opportunity for you to retaliate against those that have done those things to you, to you. But it's to prepare you. The prison that you're in is to prepare you for what God has in store for you. God has a greater place of power and position. Yes, he's going to bring you through. He's going to bring you through. But he's going to put you in a power and an authority and a promotion in him. The devil wants to lie to you and make you think you're going to be in that prison forever. But he's a liar. He's a liar. And the Spirit of God is here to tell you, you're going to make it through. You're going to be healed. Your marriage is going to be restored. Your family is going to be restored. God's going to do things in you, in your family, and through you. Jesus, if you are serving God and you are in that prison that I'm talking about, number two, you are in a prison of prayer. You are in a prison of prayer. Prison for promotion, prison of prayer. I was studying this a few weeks ago. In 1 Kings chapter 18, 30, it says, And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. This is the story about when he built that altar, he called down fire from heaven, right? And the false prophets tried to do the same and nothing happened. Okay? And he told the people, he said, Hey, in our lingo, check this out. Gather in. You know, we don't say to people, behold. <laughs> we probably should. We probably get more of a reaction now. <laughs> he said, come near to me. And the people came near to him. They gathered. And it says, what did he do? 18, ver, ver, 1 Kings 18.30. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And he repaired, and I, I read that a couple weeks ago, and I'm like, wow. You see, some of you guys are looking at different people, and you're saying, you're, why, why does Cameron preach the way he preached? Why, why does Kyle lead the streets the way he does? Why, why do Gilbert and Becky lead the way? Why do they, how? Come near to me. Let me show you something. Let me show you something. It's right here. This is it. Oh, this is it. Oh, God. This is it right here. This is it. I'm telling you, this is it. This is it. You want to see your marriage restored? This is it. You want to be healed in your body? This is it. You want to be free? This is it. You want to be used of God? This is it. Come near to me. 
Come near to me. This is it. And you know what? God put that message in my heart a couple weeks ago. And before pastor was leaving, he said, he, he was like, hey, I'm gonna have you, I want to have you preach. And I said, okay, I'm gone that Thursday. I can't be there. I got to be gone for work or whatever. Uh, no, actually, I had, Caitlin had her first varsity football game. She was cheering. Now, that's where I was at. I'm just being honest. I wasn't going to miss my baby's first game. And, um, and you know what? So he said, all right, preach on Sunday. And I said, praise God, Pastor. I already got a word. I already know God's doing something. He's, he's showing me different things. And that was one of the things. And then we come here on Sunday, last Sunday. Man, if you didn't hear that message, Cameron preach. Oh, man, I'm telling you, I'm not here to elevate or promote a man. But you know why he preached the way he preached? This right here. This right here. And the message that he preached was stacking the stones. Stacking the stones. And he did that illustration with Justin where there are stones that you carry and they're heavy, but God doesn't want you to carry those burdens. He doesn't want you to stack those, carry those stones. He wants you to come and stack those stones, but he said something so powerful. He said something that honestly was, it was, it was like that double-edged sword that went in, but it was that second edge that came out that did the final job. It was that, you know, it wasn't just the, 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 the stone that destroyed uh, uh, Goliath, but it was when David went and cut his head off. And I'm going to tell you something. The thing that he said that I was like, that's it right there. He said what you're doing when you're building that altar is you're actually building a landmark for the generation after you. How they can meet with God. How they're supposed to connect with God. That is the thing. See, it's not just that you bring that stone and leave it here. No. If you did that, in fact, some of you have done that. You brought stones and you left them here. And you say, God, thank God I'm free. You did that at Breakthrough. You did that at Breakthrough. You went through the water. You brought those stones. You brought them here and you stacked them. But it's been six months and you haven't gone back to them. You haven't gone back to them. The stones aren't just there to be a landmark. The stones are there to be an altar. The stones are there to be that meeting place. See, God gave me that. And then Cameron preached that. And I said, God, praise God, he's doubling down on that message. I thought, man, God, but he's preaching what, preach what I gave you. God is saying if you didn't hear it the first time, you need to hear it the second time. You need to stack those stones. And not only need to stack those stones, but that stone needs to, needs to be a place, a meeting place with God. That stone is a place where you connect with God. Some of you have gone through things, you're going through that prison, you say, I don't feel God like I used to. Go back to that altar. Rebuild the altar that was broken down. You neglected the altar. Go back to that and rebuild it just like Elijah did. Because that's the place where God will meet with you. Let me tell you something. You can't go through religiousness. You can't be religious with God. You can't be religious and expect God to move. You can't be religious and expect, you can't even come to church and just say, you know, say, hey, I went to church this morning. God's talking to someone. You can't say, I'm going to go to church. You go to church, you listen to the word of God, you just stand there, you worship, but there's no spirit and in truth in you. There's no worship of spirit and in truth in you. You know, you, you try to go pray at home, you try to pray, and there's no fire of the Holy Ghost in you. You know why? Because you neglected the altar. 
and you're playing religious games. You can't play religiousness with God. You know what happened? Those, those false prophets, they tried to play religion. They were cutting themselves. They were dancing. They were doing things all day, acting like crazies, trying to get a hold of God. But they're serving the false God because they were playing religion. God doesn't want religion. What God wants is for you to rebuild that altar in your life and come back to that altar. You see, the fire of God didn't fall on their altar because it was a false altar. But when you have a real altar, then the fire has a place to go. Then the fire has a place to come down when you have the real altar of God. When there's no altar, that altar's not rebuilt, there's no place for the fire of God to go. That's why when you pray, you don't feel the Holy Ghost. That's why when you pray, there's no fire because there's no real altar. And I'm telling you, if you rebuild that altar in that secret place, what you do in the secret place is going to be rewarded openly. Amen. You'll be able to lay hands on people with a confidence because the Holy Ghost is in you. You'll be able to pray and get a hold of God and know that you met with God because that place of, that, 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 that place of connection with God is reestablished. That altar is everything. That meeting place with God is everything. That's why he said, come near to me. And he rebuilt the altar that was broken down. If you're in a prison, that prison is meant for you to be a prison of prayer. It's meant for you to go back to that altar and rebuild the altar that was broken down. Rebuild that connection with God. Amen? Amen? Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. You know, Daniel was thrown into prison. And the Bible talks about Daniel that he was a man that from his child, from his youth, prayed three times a day. No one's saying amen to that one. Wow. And I'm not, I'm not here to point a finger. I'm talking about myself. You know why? Because when I was going through difficult things and hard things, man, I go to work. I went to my lunch break. I got in my car. I went and parked in the secret place, and I'd cry out to God. I couldn't be alone. I couldn't go a couple hours without praying. And then I'd go home. I'd eat dinner, put the kids to bed, and, man, I'd cry out to God. And then God gets you out of that prison, and you start to neglect the altar. Because things are good and I'm at ease and I have everything that I want. I'm telling you, church, I'm not here to point the finger at you. I'm preaching my life. I'm preaching what I'm going through. I'm preaching what I've gone through. I'm preaching this because I know God, God showed me some of you are going through this. But see, Daniel was a man that would pray three times a day. David said morning and at noon and at evening, he'd make that sacrifice of prayer. He'd sacrifice it to the Lord. God is wanting to reestablish that altar, not just so that it's just a, a temporary or coincidental thing or it's just a thing that just happens to be there in your life. No, this is the place where you live. This is the place where you die. This is the place where God talks to you. This is the place where God hears you. This is the place where God conversates with you. This is the place where God shows you things. This is the place where God shows you things about other people. You know, in prison... The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah is what the word of God says. So you can be in that prison and guess what? 
God can hear you. God can talk to you. God can give you things. God can reveal things to you. Don't be, dis- don't be, don't be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. God wants to do something in you and through you in this prison. Jesus, you know, it says in Colossians 4.22, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers. Always laboring fervently. God is my prayer, one where I labor fervently. You know, I truly believe, I truly believe that the church, a lot of the church doesn't know what it means to labor in prayers. Because if we did, if they did, if the church prayed, man, God would move. God would move. I'm telling you, God is wanting to do something in you and in me so that we would be people. Listen, listen. So that we would be people that labor fervently in prayers for others. Labor fervently in prayer. I know people don't want to hear that, but you know what? That's the word of God. Do you and I labor fervently in prayer? We want to see God. We want to feel the power of God. We want the fire of God. But if there ain't no Walter, there's no place for that fire to fall down. And I'm going to tell you something else God showed me. He said, there are two places, okay? There are two places or two situations where the fire of God came from heaven. The first one was when God, when there was a sacrifice, whether it was David, whether it was Solomon, whether it was Elijah. And there was a sacrifice that was made unto God and the fire of God came down and put that sacrifice on fire or licked it up. That's one place. And you know where the second place is? The second place where fire came down from heaven is when God pronounced judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. Or when Elijah called down fire on those guys that were trying to take them away. And in judgment, he called down fire from heaven. And he destroyed them. So listen, if you don't have the fire coming down because that altar is rebuilt in your life, if you don't have the fire of God coming down from heaven upon your life, if you don't have that, the place where you're going to experience the fire is the fire in judgment. Your life needs to be on fire for God. Oh, God. Oh, that God would, God would touch our lives, that we would be on fire for God. That we wouldn't be asleep when Jesus is saying, come pray with me. That we wouldn't be asleep when Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to pray. I want to meet with you. And the disciples were asleep, but we would be awake and on fire and say, yes, Lord, I'll come. I'll come. Yeah. If your life is on fire, it can be. God isn't here to condemn you. I know I'm preaching hard. But you know what? We're living and we're going to go through some hard times. We're going to go through some hard times. I'm telling you. We're going to go through persecution. And if you don't have the fire of God, guess what? You're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. I know that's a harsh word. I know that's a stern word. But I'd rather have you go through it with the fire of God. Make it through to heaven than for you not to hear this preacher. And hear me say something else that makes you feel all good inside. And you walk out and you don't have the fire of God in you. The most important thing that you could do is meet with God and have the fire of God with you. Be on fire for him. He doesn't want a lukewarm Christian. He doesn't want a religious Christian. He wants someone that knows him. Someone that has heard his voice. 
You know what this generation needs? The gen this generation needs prophets. This generation needs prophets of God. I'm not talking about someone that says, hey, though I say unto you, you're going to get a big house. No, I'm not talking about nonsense. I'm talking about heaven and hell. God's talking about heaven and hell. This generation needs prophets of God. That's why the word of God says, it says, it says, desire gifts. Desire the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Pursue after charity and desire the gifts of the Holy Ghost. But especially, especially that you may prophesy. That's biblical. I know we in, in Pentecost, I know. I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. I know. We put, a, we put an emphasis on tongues. And it's good. It's a gift from God. It's wonderful. It's wonderful to pray in tongues. But I'm going to tell you something. That's just the beginning. That's just scratching the surface. There's so much more in God. Amen. We cannot stop there. If this church, if the Pentecostal church only preaches speaking in tongues and being filled with the Holy, the Holy Spirit with the, and with the evidence of speaking in tongues, being filled with the Holy Ghost and stops right there, we are failing. We are failing as a church because there's so much more in God. The reason why God fills us with the Holy Ghost, the reason why God gives us the gifts of the Holy Spirit is so that we could be his hand extended and do his work and be his witnesses. You shall be and do with power from on high and you shall be my witnesses. This world needs prophets of God. You know how you become a prophet of God? You have to have this. This has to be rebuilt. Some of you don't want it. I can see it. Some of you don't want it. And I, that's sad. You know what's sad? Is that you're rejecting the goodness that God has for you. And you will not experience the good things that God has for you. I know no one is saying I want to go to prison. I'm with you. I Trust me. It's not easy. But I'm telling you, when you go through those things, when God prepares you, and when you rebuild that altar and that connection with God, I'm telling you, you're going to experience things in God and through God that I can't even, it's, it's, it's just unexplainable. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's what the word of God says. This, this generation needs prophets. It needs people that meet with God, that have heard from God, that know how to speak the things of God. Because people are dying left and right. It's so much bigger and greater. Jesus, help me. Oh, thank you, Lord. I'm a, you know what? I got to share. Last week. You know what? I promise you, church. I promise you. I sought God. And I'm not here to listen to myself talk. I'm not. I'm not here to perform. I'm not here to do platitudes and just go through the motions. I'm here because I know there are people that are going through things. And God has a word for you. And God wants to do something in you and through you. You know, last week, some of you don't know this. 
I got to give the short version. I'm dealing with testosterone issues in my body, okay? I produce like nothing, okay? And God at Breakthrough, Breakthrough showed me, it's time for you to get off that tes- testosterone replacement therapy and just trust in me. And it's been hard. It's been hard, okay? But I'm not, I'm not here to, 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 to talk about that. I'm doing that because I want to share with you how awesome and how mighty my God is, okay? Last week, I was crying out to the Lord. I think it was on Saturday morning. And I went to prayer, and I just, you know, some days I wake up, and I'm like, man, I got nothing. I got nothing. I got, like, fumes. I got no energy. I got no drive. And I got to work. And I got to do the things I got to do, okay? I got to be a dad. I got to be a husband. I got to do things, and, and God knows. And I'm crying out to God. I'm crying out to God. You know, someone had told me about, hey, there's this other therapy or whatever, and you could do this, and it'll help you, whatever. And I talked to Pastor about it, and Pastor prayed, and he came back to me. He said, you know what, Kevin, I just felt that God was telling me to tell you, just keep trusting in him. Just just keep holding on to him. He's going to come through. He's going to heal you. But last week, I said, God, I, I, I appreciate that you talked to the man of God for me. I do, God, but I need to hear a word for myself. I need to hear that word from me, from you. You know, I, I want to hear from you, God. And I'm crying out to God. And um, I'm telling the Lord, Lord, there's nothing that's impossible with you. If you put a man in the belly of a whale, you changed him. And he came and preached to hundreds of thousands, maybe millions, and they got saved. You did that? You put him through that prison? God, I know that you could do anything that you want. You could heal for me, healing. Healing me is nothing for you. Nothing's impossible with you, God, I told him. And I said, you know what, Lord? I said, I want you to heal me, but not just for myself. I want you to heal me because we live in a fallen world. And the reason why I'm dealing with these things in my body, the reason why we're dealing with different things is because we live in a sinful world. Because there was a devil that came and tempted Eve. And because of that sin, the rest of humanity is dealing with the, with the consequences of that. That's why I'm dealing with this, God. And I'm ready to give a devil, the devil a black guy. I'm ready. I hate him. Just like Cameron said, I was like, yes. <laughs> you know, you see Goliath, and he's over there taunting you. And there's some that are just sitting there. They're like, man, there's Goliath. I'm afraid. But then there's some of us that are like, man, let's go out. Let's take the devil out. Come on. Let's take him out. Jesus is the captain of my salvation. I serve in his army. I'm ready to go. You know why? Because there's a fire in me. You don't have to sit back there. You don't have to sit back there, hunker down and afraid. No. You could go out and take the fight to the devil. God is preparing and to promote. To go out and to be his generals. To go out and be those Davids. To go out and fight because there are people that are afraid and they need you. But you're in this rut. But anyways, let me get back to it. I'm praying. I'm like, Lord, I'm ready to get, I'm ready to destroy. I'm ready to just take the fight to him, whatever way. And I want you to give me this testimony. 
Give me this testimony, Lord. So I'm ready to pay him back. That's what I told him. I told God, I said, I'm ready to pay the enemy back. The word of God says, the Lord shall crush Satan under your feet. Read it, Romans. The Lord shall crush Satan under your feet. I think it says shortly. And I'm praying to God. And so in preparation for this message, God led me to Jeremiah 32. Go ahead and open up to Jeremiah 32. You see, Jeremiah found himself in prison, okay? He found himself in prison. You got to go to the bathroom. I know I'm preaching long. Go take your break and come back. I'm sorry, Brother Lorenzo. I'm not trying to call you out. <laughs> but I know sometimes the body's calling and you're like, I can't wait. That's okay. I love you, brother. I'm just trying to say that because I know I'm preaching long. I'm not one of those teachers that's like, no, you can't go to the bathroom. No, you can't go to the bathroom. <laughs> oh, I got a story about that, but I'm not, I'll say that for another time. <laughs> Jeremiah 32. Jeremiah is in prison for prophesying difficult things to the king, how the king was going to be taken captive to Babylon. And the, and, the, and the king didn't like that, so he threw him in prison. And it says in Jeremiah 32, 6 through 8, And Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Excuse me, Behold, Hanamiel, the son of Shalom, thine uncle, shall come unto thee, saying, By my field that is in Anathoth. And when I read that, let me just pause. When I read that, the Lord, was, the Lord told me, look that up. Look that up. And I said, okay, okay, Lord, okay, you know. And I kept reading. For the redemption is thine to buy. And you know what? I am going to stop right there. But then it says in verse 17, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm. And there is nothing too hard for thee. And I kept reading, and I read through 32, and I read through 33. And the Lord was telling me, I told you to look that up. So I looked up those names, Hanamiel, Shalom, and Anathoth. Now, mind you, I had been praying what I prayed, right? You guys with me? And I read, Hanamiel means God is gracious. God is gracious. It may not mean anything to you, but man, it meant the world to me. Because I'm in this prison, in this captivity, and God is reminding you and me, he's a gracious God. Do not forget that, Jeremiah. Even though you're in prison, he's a gracious God. And then I looked up shalom, and shalom means retribution. Retribution. And what retribution means is that it's payment back to the criminal for the wrongdoing, for the criminal act that they, that they have done. <laughs> and then I looked up Anathoth, and Anathoth means answers to prayer. Answers to prayer. So here I am, coming out of my prayer meeting, okay, coming out of that connection place, that meeting place, that crying out to God. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. 
you could come to God and pour out your heart, man. Oh, man. And then God says to me, hey, remember I'm a gracious God. And not only am I a gracious God, but I'm a God that will pay retribution. I'm a God that heard you and you want to pay the devil back. I'm going to do retribution. And not only am I going to do retribution, and not only do you know that, but the way that you know that is because I heard your prayer. You see, God was talking to me. God was talking to me. And you miss out on that when you don't have that. God was talking to me. And not only was he talking to me, but he said, I didn't remember that Jeremiah 32, 17 says, Our Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thine outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for me. But God was answering me word for word the prayer that I had offered up unto him. You see, God wants you to rebuild that altar so that he can talk to you in your situation and minister to you. I got to... I got to circle the airport here. The last thing is, if you're in a prison, it's a prison of praise. It's a prison for praise. David said, he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. You know, some of you, that prison experience and the things that you're going through have robbed you of the praise that you are supposed to give unto God. And not only have they robbed you, but they have robbed you of the praise that God deserves through your life. And that's a big deal. You know why that's a big deal? Because Jesus says, he said, the Father seeketh such he seeks those who worship him in spirit and in truth. You know, I don't know of a lot of things, of verses where it says that the Father seeks, that God seeks. But if Jesus came and he said, this is what God is seeking, he's seeking worship in spirit and in truth, he's seeking that praise, that's a big deal. That's a big deal to God. You can't walk in here and just stand there. You can't go, and I'm not, even, not, not just even here, even at home or in the car or whatever. You can't just go through life and not praise God and not worship God because he's looking for those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. You know, your praise and the praise that God wants for you to give unto him is not, is a, it's a big deal, yes, because the Father seeks for that from your life, but it's also a big deal because of the impacts, okay, the impacts that praise can have on those around you, that praise can have on, on, on this world. It's like, I, I'm going to go back to the beginning. It's bigger than you. The Lord turned to captivity for Job when he prayed for his friends. It's about everyone else too. You see, the devil wants to destroy the praise in your life. He wants to disrupt the praise that comes from, forth from your life. And 
In Acts chapter 16, it talks about how Paul and Silas went to this place. They, went, they, they, they were in uh, Philippi. And they would go to prayer. And, uh, and they would go to prayer. And on their way to prayer, the devil came. There was a woman that was demonically possessed. And she was harassing them verbally. Well, she was saying, these men are the men of the most high God. And this devil was just every day till Paul got greatly annoyed is what the Bible says. And he finally cast that devil out of that girl. And when her pimp, the guy that owned her because she was a fortune teller, saw that she didn't have that demon anymore, he got upset with Paul and Silas. So he had them thrown in prison. Well, actually, they were brought before the, the, the judges, the magistrates, okay? And the Bible says, I'm going to read it. And it says in, in chapter 16, it says, And the multitude rose up. A multitude of people rose up. The devil got mad against them. And the magistrates tore off Paul and Silas's clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison. So they were just weren't in prison. They were in the inner prison. They were in the dungeon and made their feet fast in the stocks or they were in shackles. You ain't going nowhere, Paul and Silas. You think you're on your way to prayer? The devil wants to keep you bound. You think you're on your way to praise God? He wants to keep you bound. But here's something I think, I was just like, wow, Lord. You see, Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, okay? And it was against the law for them to be charged with the crime, for them to be thrown in prison without having them defend themselves. It was unlawful. But yet, Paul never said, hey, wait a minute, I'm a Roman citizen. He never defended himself. How many of us, when we're in that situation, when we have the ability and the opportunity to fight for ourselves, will? And they didn't. It wasn't just Joseph. It wasn't just Old Testament. It was New Testament, too. It was Paul and Silas, too. It was Jesus, too. Never spoke a word. But was dumb like a sheep for its shears. I don't know why God is hitting on that today. But they never defended themselves. Some of us, you know what God showed me this morning? Some of us won't let ourselves get thrown into prison. Some of us won't let ourselves get put into those situations. Because we're afraid. Because we're uncomfortable. But you know God is wanting to do something in you and through your life, but we won't let God do it. And we'll fight our way and claw our way, but guess what? You're going to miss some of the greatest thing that, things that God wants to do in your life and through your life. Because here's what happened. In 1622, it says, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. There's that connection already established. They didn't have to rebuild an altar. They already had that connection. Paul and Silas prayed. That's the first thing. Okay? Number one, that altar was established in their lives. And because it was established in their lives, guess what? 
Even in the midst of their prison, they have an altar there. Even in the midst of your prison, God can give you a place of meeting place, a meeting place. God can give you a connection. Even right now, that's what God is wanting to do. And number two, because they had that connection, when it came to their situation, when they were bound, they were in shackles, they were in their prison, they weren't down in the dumps. God, how am I going to get out of here? God, help me. God, help me through this. What did they do? The Bible says they sang praises unto the Lord. You can sing praises in the midst of your prison. In fact, you and I are supposed to sing praises in the midst of our prison. It's a prison of praise. And when they sang praises unto God, the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so the foundation of the prisons were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loosed. You see, when you praise God, your praise doesn't just affect you and God, it affects everyone else around you. When you're in the midst of your prison and you praise God, other people can be loosed. Other people can be freed. That's why the devil fights you so hard to keep you from praising God. Because when you praise God, there is freedom. There is liberty. Other people will get freed and loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening out of his sleep, seeing the prison's doors, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, I love this. What must I do to be saved? Woo! What you meant for harm and for evil, God meant for good and for the saving of many lives. That is that right there played out. And it's played out not just for them. It's played out for you and for me. Because there are people that are watching you and they see you and they look at you in the midst of your prison. And they're watching, what are you doing? What were Paul and Silas doing? Oh, they're just like every prisoner. What was Joseph doing? He's just like every prisoner. No. When you have that connection with God, when you have that established, and you have that praise, there's a difference about you, and people are watching you. To where there will come a point, oh, God, and that just happened to me, where there will come a point, and they'll say, what is it about you? How come you have... This guy told me, you have this aura about you. You have this peace about you. What You're always calm. I'm going to tell you. Let me tell you, Dorian, is Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. That jailer said, what must I do to be saved? And here's another thing. When they were praising and the shackles fell off and the prison doors opened and the foundations of the prison were shaking. Guess what? Paul and Silas were like, let's get out of here. No. Some of you don't want to be thrown into that prison. And then some of you, when it comes the opportunity to get out, you want to get out because you're suffering. But the suffering is in the will of God. And they understood we're in here because we're in the will of God. Some of us, we're going through things that we don't understand, like I said earlier. 
We're in the will of God. You're in the will of God. And if you stay in the will of God, you'll be like Paul and Silas, and you'll understand there's so much more that God wants to do. That's why they didn't get out. God is doing something for you, in you, and through you in the midst of your prison. Your prison isn't meant to destroy you. Your prison is to promote you. Your prison is for God to do something to build integrity in you. Your prison is for God to entrust you. Your prison is for God to establish that connection in that altar. Your prison is a place where you can have prayer. I'm talking about real prayer and real praise. Because God is doing something and ready to do something in your life through you. He wants to crush Satan under your feet shortly. Sister Lupe, can I ask you to come up? Listen, church. Listen. It's bigger than you and me. It's bigger than you and me. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you the end in the midst of your affliction. I'm going to tell you the end right here. Joseph, Joseph, when he had his two sons, he called his firstborn son Manasseh. Manasseh. He said, for God has made me to forget all my toil and my father's house and all my father's house. All the toil and all the affliction and all the suffering, you're going to forget. But that's just the half of it. Okay, the other half is he named his son Ephraim. And Ephraim means, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. God is allowing you to go through affliction and through trouble. Because he's going to produce fruitfulness in your life. He's ready to do that.